Maybe you've had uh, the experience that I've often had with one of your appliances, um, particularly the kitchen appliances in my It's most often the toaster for me. You know, you, I load in the bread, set the indicator for how dark I, I want it, and then push the lever down, and nothing happens. Right? It just pops right back up. You push it down again, and uncooked bread just pops right back up again. And after a moment or two, fiddling with it some more, as if that'll fix the issue, finally I realize the toaster is simply not plugged in to the power outlet. Right. It's an easy mistake. Well, at least entertain me that it's an easy mistake to make, if you will. Because a toaster or whatever other appliance gives you this trouble, the thing about them is they need a power supply. And that's where we come to. It may have all the features that it needs to do the job, but nonetheless cannot truly do that job unless it has the right juice, right, an empowering force to make it effectually operative to do the task. And the thing is, we can say the same thing really about the means of grace holistically, but especially about the sacraments. That they have, well, they have everything they need to do the job, but are effectually operative only when they are properly connected to the right power sources. Every means of grace, every one of them, must have the Spirit's empowering work involved to be effective. For the sacraments, however, more must be said, both because we must, and and this is one of our our main issues to take up here, first we, we must relate the sacraments to God's Word, and then also, really, because controversies over the centuries and Protestant sensitivities demand some more precision about the way that we speak about the sacraments being effectual. But we should remember that our Shorter Catechism, question 89, says that the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer, all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. And so we have this statement in a reform document that the sacraments are made effectual for salvation. Now one thing I think we need to remember as we, before we get too far ahead of ourselves is that Evangelicals today often equate salvation as, as one big thing that simply means going to heaven, which is partly valid. I understand why we speak that way. I don't have criticisms of it. And at the same time, Reformed theology has more specific categories that describe various benefits of salvation, like primarily we tend to speak of justification and sanctification. And so if, if I said 
that our participation at the Lord's Supper this morning effectively helped sanctify believers, right? Progress us, that, that partaking that meal helped progress us in our godliness isn't really a controversial thing to say. And that's partly what we mean, <laughs> that they're made effectual to salvation. Yet, in that situation, sanctification is one of salvation's benefits progressed by a sacrament. Now, as the catechism progresses, and we're trying to, I mean, well, I'm trying to unpack these as we kind of move ahead through them, offer, so question 91 offers some more insight for carefully framing the sacrament's efficacy. And it says, the sacraments become effectual means of salvation, not from any virtue in them, so as in the water, in the bread, and in the wine as such, or in him that doth administer them, so namely me or another pastor, but only by the blessing of Christ and the working of his Spirit in them that by faith receive him. And we'll look at this in more detail as we go. So, though, we can, we can say from the outset, no Protestant is talking about magic talismans that save you, but we are talking about Christ's appointed tokens of his promise made effective by the Spirit. And then question 92 tells us that a sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein, by sensible signs, Christ and the benefits of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. So a sacrament is sensible, meaning it's tangible. Right? You can touch water, bread, and wine. God's word is... No, let me finish the whole sentence. God's word is creaturely, not in its origin, because it's divinely inspired, but in its form, right? Because it's given in human languages. So it comes from God, but in a form that we as creatures can understand. God-inspired scripture in human language, words we can fathom, giving it creaturely shape. Further, God's word does not spontaneously pop into our minds and hearts, but comes through our eyes and ears. We must hear it read, having the the hairs in our ear canals detect sound waves and deliver messages to our brain to understand. Or we must see it printed on a page. Or for blind people, they must touch Braille with their fingers. And so God's Word, too, is in a way sensible. But the sacraments are sensible signs. The Word tells you directly what it means. But the sacrament tangibly represents or teaches about a spiritual content that is not inherently obvious by looking at, for example, water, bread, or wine. Their spiritual content 
is Christ and the benefits of the new covenant, as our catechism said. And in this respect, in this respect, the content of the word and sacraments is identical. The word tells of Christ and his benefits as the sacrament depicts them. And the word, the word tells of Christ and his benefits and the sacraments display them. And so Calvin called sacraments visible sermons, right? They tangibly convey the blessings of God's word. And we then can say that we have God's word heard in reading and preaching and God's word held in the sacraments. Both distribute the word. Now, interestingly, I think if you'll yeah, bear with me for a moment, the, the, the catechism said that every sacrament, a sacrament in general, applies the Christ and the new covenant benefits. And then the next question asks, what are the sacraments of the New Testament? And it says baptism and the Lord's Supper. That part doesn't surprise us. But if we think about it for just a moment, we have this fascinating tension of every sacrament ever applying new covenant benefits, then, then a specification of the new covenant sacraments. Why is that? And I think the resolution here is in our understanding, once again, of the covenant of grace. God's one plan of salvation, wherein every believer ever has always been saved by trusting in Christ whenever they lived in history, noting that the sacraments of every covenant across redemptive history before and since the incarnation, will they all apply Christ and his benefits, the new covenant blessings. The new covenant, though, now, today, has two sacraments that still apply Christ and the new covenant benefits. Although all of the ones formerly, circumcision, Passover, served the same purpose. Now, tonight, as we get right to the matter at hand, we have... One question with three answers. So we have one question, three answers, and our main question is, what power supply makes sacraments effectual for salvation? What power supply makes sacraments effectual for salvation? And our three answers are God's Word, God's Spirit, and our faith. God's Word, God's Spirit, and our faith. And so let's think about our first point, which is the most lengthy, really, God's Word. Because we we noted that our position about what makes a sacrament effectual is that it's made effectual first by the blessing of Christ. Meaning that Jesus assigns value to the visible sign by his commission, right? Namely, by his word. This, the, uh, the shorter catechism answer is there on your, on your order of service if, if you want it to help track 
these phrases because really each one of these answers is just scriptural proof unpacking that answer. So today, today the thing is we have Christ's word, his, his recorded blessing in the scripture. And because word and sacrament contain the message of Christ, the blessing of Christ for a sacrament comes, well, through the scripture. That's why we read these New Testament warrants, as Pastor Andy did this morning, so that we might know which ordinances he said to use to give his blessings. Without the read and preached word, then, sacraments would have no efficacy. Nor would they even be a sacrament. That's easy enough to demonstrate. Actually, when, when you, when water sprinkles on your head, when you take a shower, it's not baptism. If you eat bread and drink wine at dinner, it's not the Lord's Supper. Because these physical elements, disconnected from the Word, constituting them properly, do not convey nor seal Scripture's message. So, uh, imagine that you get a letter through the post box slot marked with diplomatic emblems on the front of the, the envelope. So you know someone important sent this. You open the envelope. You pull out the letter and you unfold it. And the first thing you notice is a, is a very royal looking ribbon at the bottom. Affixed to the paper with a very large wax seal. And so you know that this letter is important. It's, it's been certified, sealed with noble recognition. But then you notice this paper is totally blank. No one said anything. There's not even a signature here. There's no message to understand. And at this point, you obviously ask, well, what does this big seal stuck at the bottom do? There's nothing to confirm. Right? And so the seal actually does nothing. The words need to be there. For the seal to confirm anything and need to be there actually to assign the value to the seal. Unless there's a message and unless there's a signature, the seal doesn't perform anything. And the same, that is the same relationship between God's word and God's sacraments. Without the word, without the message, Water, bread, and wine are empty elements. Without God's signature from the scripture affixing those things as things we should use, water, bread, and wine are empty elements. First, I mean, after all, the the sacraments serve as physical tokens, right? Sensible signs to confirm what? The blessings of Christ. The Word's promises. A visible representation of the Word's offer of cleansing from and communion with 
Christ so that we can hold the word which we've heard. Second, moreover, the Bible shows that God's word assigns the sacraments their meaning. So think think of a meeting place. You and I are going to meet later this week, perhaps. And where are we going to meet? There's nothing inherent about the left lion in Trafalgar Square. There's nothing that makes that inherently a fit place for us to meet. But if I tell you that's where I'll meet you, well, then my word has assigned its value. And so, too, our series that we've been working through is about meeting God in his means of grace because he tells us he'll meet us there. He And he assigns the sacraments as a place to meet him by his word. Let's look at Genesis 2. So verse 9, even before the fall, right, God's word says, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And then he specifies two of them, doesn't he? The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the the text doesn't note anything special about these trees to make them visibly different from the others. Especially nothing about them that denotes clearly what they do in themselves. But we find out in verses 16 and 17 what makes them different. What makes at least one of them different. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying... You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so we see that God's word to Adam, God spoke to Adam, and he told him the tree's significance as the focal point of Adam's obedience in his covenant with God before the fall. And we see, actually, the same thing happen in 1 Corinthians 11. So verses 17 to 26, right? In these verses, Paul addressed the misuse, a specific misuse of the supper, wherein the Corinthians were improperly executing it by dividing up the community among lines of of differing prestige at a large meal. Paul urges them to dispense with the setting that they were using and focus on having the essential element to make it the Lord's Supper. And what does he point to? Verses 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, What's the thing that makes the supper the supper? That Jesus said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It is the reading and prayerful application of God's word, Christ's blessing as recorded in the scripture, that constitutes a sacrament. As a sacrament. And so God's word... God's word makes the sacrament effectual for God's purposes. 
So there's our first answer. What makes a sacrament effectual for salvation? First, God's word. Second, God's spirit. Because it, right, think with me. If you're, if you're looking at a workbench covered in various tools, some of you might be skilled with those. You can guess whether I am. And you notice that there is a hammer sitting on the, on the edge of the table. And you'll, you'll be aware that as that hammer sits there, it is not pounding any nails into any wood. And the thing is, no matter how, no matter how long you watch, and no matter how long you hope, it will always sit there. And it will never push nails into wood on its own. Someone has to pick it up. Someone has to swing it to make it effectual to drive nails into wood, right? And so who swings the sacraments to make them effective to push the benefits of salvation into God's people? Who uses them? Our, our catechism said the sacraments are effectual to salvation only by the blessing of Christ and the working of His Spirit in them that by faith receive them. And so the Holy Spirit, He must be the one who uses the sacraments, who draws the connection between the Word and the element, using them as His instruments to press the nails of gospel benefits into the hearts of Christ's people. Paul wrote as much in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 13. So this this version that I'm going to read is from the NIV for a specific reason. Just as body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For, now this is why, this is why the body of Christ is one, Because we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. The Spirit is the one who baptizes. When baptism is effectual, it's because the Spirit is baptizing through the water. Spirit baptizes when water constituted by God's word is applied. The spirit comes to us to drink of him in wine, blessed by God's word, in Christ's word, his blessing of institution. These elements are made effective as the spirit uses them, accompanies and uses word-blessed elements. And so it's the spirit that makes water, bread, and wine effective. So we have two of our answers now. That was a quick one, right? So what makes sacraments effectual? God's word and God's spirit. And finally, our faith. Our faith. You can imagine a, a, fle- a free-flowing fount uh, of pure and refreshing water. Can't you? Maybe you're walking in the forest... Or, or maybe there's one in the city 
uh, for those of you who prefer that <laughs> instead. And the thing is, if you come across this forceful font of clear, pure water it's flowing out, you can never grab that water. You can never truly receive it for your benefit unless you put a glass under it. There's got to be something to catch it. Until the water, uh, until then, right, the, the water is there. It is, it is objectively nourishing and spring forth to be had. But you can't receive it without something to take it in. And so our catechism closed its statement on how the sacraments are effectual, saying, in them that by faith receive them. Paul wrote in Colossians 2, 11 and 12. In him, namely in Christ, in Christ also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We we explored the spiritual significance of that, that, that this is about Christ's crucifixion applied to to his people through the sacrament of circumcision in ages past. We considered that in the previous sermon. And Paul continues, how does this happen? How How are you circumcised in this way? Having been buried with him in baptism, so it comes to us through baptism, in which, it was continue on though, in which you were also raised with him through faith. In the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. As one theologian wrote in the, even in the 13th century, that period when things were supposed to be awful, right? The power of the sacraments, which is ordained unto the forgiveness of sin, is derived principally from faith in Christ's passion. Faith in his death, right? And we're back to our toaster illustration. Baptism is there, but unless it's hooked up to the power source, it can't do the job. It applies Christ and his benefits even when it's on you. It may not be effective until you turn the power switch on. Faith, granted by the Spirit, worked through the Word. The power that God's Word and God's Spirit invests in the sacraments does not truly affect the application of Christ and His benefits unless the sacraments are received with faith. The blessings are objectively there, like a free-flowing fount of pure, refreshing water, but they remain outside you until you hold that glass of faith under its stream to receive it. We have to align the the fount of of blessings with some sort of device, a a pipe that can properly channel it into our hearts for true reception, namely using faith in Jesus Christ. That, of course, reminds us of the real reason why we should be reflecting on on these matters, right? Because we're not 
We're not thinking at length about the sacraments just to have more to say about water, wine, and bread, are we? We're thinking about the sacraments because when we receive them with faith in Christ, we are receiving Christ himself and his benefits in them. We all long for more of Christ. When the scripture works faith in our hearts as the word is proclaimed in reading and preaching, it it also channels the same blessings of Christ that he has proclaimed in the word to be received in a way that we can wield. We can hear God's word and we can hold God's word. And so the sum total of the sacraments is Christ giving us a meeting place where he has promised to show up, to have communion with us, with his people, through the means that he appointed. The Christian life is is not that forest where you might hope to find the Lord randomly by encountering him by surprise somewhere among the trees. The Christian life is an appointment where Christ has set a table and told you a day every week when and where he would meet you. God does not want you to be lost on on your road through this life, but to have a road map to places to meet him. And our God is a dependable guide who has kept his promises in Jesus Christ, whom he gives to us, whom he gives to us by faith to hear by his word, and to hold in his sacraments. Let's pray. Father God, we know that we are creatures who live on the earthly plane, and you made us to be that way and said that it was good. And so we are thankful that we have means, creaturely means, that correspond to our existence where we can find you. We are thankful that you not only speak to us and tell us of the gospel blessings, but you show us the gospel blessings in your sacraments. And so we pray that even as we we received one this morning, that, that this time of thinking about how your word, your spirit, and our faith make it effective that we might be enthused about that meal that you gave us this morning throughout our whole week, that we might be excited that your word is powerful to take bread and wine and to make them special. That our faith receives Christ himself in the way that you have said you will deliver him to us. Promising it in your word. Performing it as we receive these things and we come to you in prayer offering our thanks offering our praise for for being the God who guides us and being the God who has said you would meet us and keeps to your word. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.